welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor and summer is most definitely here. It has been show in the last few days. I'm talking to you on the Sunday before this podcast comes out at 7 o'clock on the Monday morning to keep Kevin Carroll entertained in his little van. And today we've had a little bit of rain so the temperature's gone down a few degrees. I, I, I almost dare to say it's a little bit cool this evening but it's been lovely weather for the last few days and of course the big Swedish holiday of midsummer is coming up this week. Uh, my name, as I said, is Philip O'Connor. If you're listening to this for the first time, you might be listening to it because we're chatting a little bit, bit, a little bit about the GAA and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, for midsummer this week, if you have the opportunity, get out there on Friday, have a chat with a few Swedes, and they'll tell you what to do and where to be and where to eat and that kind of thing. But it is, it's basically like Christmas in the middle of the year. It's one of the biggest holidays here. So if you can get out and enjoy it at all. Uh, well, either with Swedes or without, but get out and enjoy it anyway, because uh, the winter will be in soon enough, lads. The the evenings will be getting shorter now soon enough, we're not careful now, and uh, we'll be all uh, back in our woolies in no time. So enjoy the daylight while you can. This episode this week is one that we've been planning for a long time, and not for a good reason. Last week on Tuesday, the news came out of Dublin that the great Christy Dignam, singer with Aslan, had passed away. Uh, we received the news, I think it was back in January, that he was receiving palliative care. Palliative care is what basically end-of-life care, where you start to give people painkillers and that kind of thing because you know that you're not going to cure whatever it is that ails them. And still Christy battled on and battled on and battled on, and it was only last week that he passed away. And so it's this week's podcast. It's actually an interview that we recorded back then. The moment that I heard that uh, Christy wasn't... Now, I've known for years that Christy wasn't well. He's been battling cancer for years. But I thought that we had to somehow document when Aslan visited Sweden here in 2012 and played in the Liffey pub down in Gamla Stone. And I was asking for a few uh, contributions from various different people, and I'll bring you one or two of them uh, before we have the interview with Owen O'Connor, who was the man who booked them. But before we do that, let's just look back on... Uh, it's amazing the time of the year that it is. You know, there's loads of things after happening. So yesterday we were at Scarpnex EPF, which is uh, the football field here or the sports field here in Stockholm, where it's basically home to all these different uh, international sports. So Aussie rules football is played there. There's two cricket pitches there. And there's an artificial rugby pitch that's pretty much only used for Gaelic football these days because... Uh, the, all the other rugby clubs have moved down to Gubengen, which is sort of quite close by. It's only a few minutes' drive away, but we're more or less the only ones uh, using that pitch. And Dane and the boys from Yavla GEA came down yesterday, and we had a lovely day of Gaelic football down there. So uh, the boys from Yavla came down, so a lot of them would have been working on the site up there in the morning. They jumped in the cars, and they came down for about 3 o'clock. And uh, we threw the ball in there just after 3 o'clock, and they played four 15-minute periods. And it was fascinating, actually, because the Stockholm Gales lads that were out there, I played a few minutes myself, but I was only really there to, sort of, to observe and that because my mother was over and I was going to get a call away at any given moment, you know. But uh, Stockholm had the better of it in the opening exchanges, and they did well in the first period and that kind of thing. But then Yavla came back into it, and I think it may have had something to do with a couple of the boys who came down just a little bit later because they finished work a little bit later. So three of the four periods, the final three of the four periods, were very, very competitive indeed. And there was some brilliant football played, and some brilliant scores taken and great fielding and that kind of thing and it was just magnificent to see and you know especially for the lads who are listening above in Yavla there I know that there was a lot of their players who were missing because they rotated out right so they work on a site for it might be three months might be four months might be six months and then they rotate out and then they come back again so a lot of their regular players who have been playing the first part of the year have rotated onto another job and hopefully they'll be coming back again but it was great to have that standard of Gaelic football 
and lads out there in their club kit and enjoying themselves and representing and doing their thing so it was a magnificent day of Gaelic football altogether and the thing is that this, like it's really only an hour and a half maybe two hours drive up there so we might try to do something with them certainly there's going to be a tournament in Yavla after the summer I think it might be in August and uh, we might have to play another challenge match before that but if you're in the sort of the Stockholm area or if you're in the Yavla area or anywhere around Sound Viken and that kind of thing we'll try to let everybody know Jesus, it might be even that you know they'll come down again we'll go up again before that tournament because there's no reason not to play lads you know and the more people that we can get out there playing the better and the more crack we can have the better now I'd have to say that you know I know that the, the committee of the Stockholm Girls is very busy this weekend but it'd be lovely if we could you know get together if I'd have known I was going to be able to be there myself for as long as I was I would have gotten a few bits and pieces and we could fire it up I think there's an old barbecue right beside the pitch at Skarpnik and you know stuff a few burgers into the lads and send them back up the road as well make it for a nice social occasion but it was an absolutely brilliant day and what made it even more brilliant was that the Stockholm Camogie team uh, who are doing so well on Instagram even perhaps even more so than on the field they had put in a brilliant performance yesterday and the reason for that was that TG Cahar were in town right now I'm not sure how much of this I can say right how much I can reveal about what TG Cahar were doing all I will say is that they were over here filming for a TV show that's been on there for the last couple of years and uh, they basically had to uh, get involved with the Stockholm Gales Camogie team and they were doing a thing later on in Martin Hessian's pub Veerstrom's in Gamla Stan who are proud sponsors of this podcast and have been pretty much since the very beginning but uh, the Camogues were there led by the inestimable the wonderful and the creative and the fantastic Michelle Cotter uh, had somehow set this whole thing up so all the girls were out there in their finery and they had a little bit of a training session and then TG Carr came along and they did the filming that they needed to do with them and they had a brilliant day all together and they wore the match kit and everything and it just the whole thing just looked fantastic and I think TG Carr were very happy with it so what we might do now it depends we will let you know when that program is being broadcast I think it's the end of August early September sometime there or maybe it's the end of September early October but it's going to be shown on TG Carr so we might do a bit of an old watch party so if it's on during the week we might all go into Veerstrom's pub and watch what it was that they came up with and I know that they're in they're still in town now as I'm talking to you I think they're leaving again tomorrow morning uh, but they'll be doing that and they're filming other things I think they're going to see Claire O'Halloran at a Neany restaurant there and Tim and Monscothan in Southern that you know so there's plenty going on on that front as well and I think the Gael Gori Sassoulin with Noel Sheehy and Greg and, and the rest of them are, are meeting up as well because the old Coupla Fuckle helps when you're putting things onto TG Car, you know so it's uh, it's very well very well worth doing it one of the great things actually about being out at uh, Scarpnick yesterday was seeing a couple of new faces I met a man named Mark there who was there with a wonderful Australian I think it was Australian sheepdog called Seamus and he was out there he's only just moved over very recently there was another chap called Stephen showed up there as well and we're talking to fellas and say, oh you know do you play football do you, play, do you, you know what are you interested in doing and that kind of thing and it's great to, to meet those people for the first time and one way or another we'll have to follow up those meetings and see if we can get a hold of those people and sort of introduce them to the community that we have here on this podcast and in the Swedish Irish Society and those kinds of things but it's great to see new people moving over I think Mark was telling me that he's still working uh, remotely from the last job that he had or whatever job that he was working in in Ireland before he moved over I think he's, his, his partner is a Swede now lads I might have this completely wrong because I was talking to that many people yesterday that I may have mixed up the detail but yeah, that's what's going on there and anyway so um, hopefully we'll have a chance there and maybe it might be Gaelic Games or something else that will give us a chance to meet him again we look like a man who might know how to kick a football as well uh, recently we also had the Swedish Irish Society our good friends and of course uh, Swed- uh, Sophie Murphy was involved there she was part of the Camogues yesterday who were talking to TG Carr but they paid a visit to Keen Brewing 
uh, Ivan Keane, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago talking about his microbrewery there on Leading Up, and they had organised a tasting there where the Swedish Irish Society went out, and they were out there during the week testing the brews out and that kind of thing. And I saw some lovely photographs, and it appears that that whole thing went very, very well indeed. Uh, now, one of the things I was going to stress was that, like, you know, it's not just the Swedish Irish Society. So if you're doing anything, if you wanted to have maybe a summer party after the summer holidays when everybody gets back from work and you want an activity to do with people that you're working with or studying with, get in touch with Keen Brewing. I tell them the Irish uh, in Sweden podcast sent you. You'll find them on Instagram. You'll find them on Keen Brewing. Uh, they have the website and that kind of thing and go out there because they do organise beer tastings and the beers are absolutely amazing. And it's just, it's one of those really, really cool things to do because you go out there and Ivan will take you through the whole process and he'll talk you through uh, some of the things that we didn't mention on the podcast and that kind of thing as well. So it's, it's a really, really well worth doing. And it will cost a few bobs. So everybody will have to throw in a few quid per head for it. But, you know, you get to taste a number of different beers there and it's good crack altogether you know and the last thing that I was going to say to you before we bring you this interview was that uh, Impa Golf have a new driving range so Impa Golf you remember is, uh, it's a couple of Swedish lads involved there but our own Dan Hickey is involved there as well out by Arlanda Stad and I saw uh, we were obviously out there we did a little bit of the podcast back in January or February when they first opened and uh, we're out there visiting Dan and he had his fantastic indoor driving range as well as far as I know now they now have an outdoor section to it as well right so it's well worth getting out there and you know especially now when you have a bit of time in your hands right don't go playing golf all summer lads and annoying the absolute shit out of yourself because you keep hitting the ball into the ditch and into the roof and you may as well bring a bucket and spade because you're spending that much time in the bunkers now it's going in right so get out to Dan and get a few tips off him right and I found it to be absolutely brilliant and Zach Elbazadi was out there with me as well and he was giving great advice and simple things just to make your game that little bit better right and the thing is that you know golf for the most part when you play it badly it has to be endured but when you play it slightly better you can enjoy it right so if you can get out there and get a few tips a few lessons off down there throw him a few quid uh, let, it, let him watch you hitting a few balls and let him correct a few things and you'll enjoy your bit of golf much much more right now we're hoping again that I'm going to talk to Dan uh, during the summer and maybe we might do something where we can get a gift voucher uh, from Dan and we'll find out what way we're going to give that away we'll make it a prize in some sort of uh, competition related to podcasts but we haven't really thought it through yet but in the meantime go out there and feel free to recommend them to anybody as well because I mean look at there's loads of you there who are in, in Ericsson or playing golf and that kind of thing as well and if you know you made Keen Brewing a stop on one of your trips on an e the restaurant there that Claire has on another of your trips well then why not but take a trip out there to Dan as well and go to your golf game with a couple of workmates a couple of colleagues and you might get a bit of crack out of that as well and do you know what else if there's anybody listening to the podcast I know a few years ago when Phil O'Keefe was still living in Stockholm he's down below in Gothenburg now I think but there used to be a golf classic organised in conjunction with the Dubliner right and I know Gary Lavelle has mentioned this to me before Gary was on the podcast a few weeks ago talking about the amazing Three Peaks Challenge that he was doing for Garrod Smile and it could be a great fundraiser maybe we might do it jointly with the Swedish Irish Society and the Stockholm Gales or we did a thing a few years ago with Joe Brawley where we raised money to pay for referees costs uh, for, for Nordic GAA and it might be something to do there where you know if you go out there practice a little bit get a few tips off Dan and then we'll hold some sort of a golf classic later on in the year we'll take a day out somewhere 
and you know maybe the chamber of commerce might be interested in doing it so anybody who's into doing that i've never done that kind of thing before lads i organized one down in denmark a few years ago but basically the golf club down there was able to do everything for me and i just picked the prizes out of the pro shop so if anybody knows anything about doing that you know about how you might organize a bit of an old scramble or whatever and get a few lads to throw in a few quid there it might be a nice little fundraiser and a nice nice little day out for the community uh, i still i have to say i still have a major major problem with the sport because it's robbed me of a generation of gaelic footballers who really should be still out kicking the ball <coughs> brian stokes uh, but you know i suppose they're probably lost to me now at this stage but yeah if we can bring something positive out of it it might bring a few quid into the clubs listen way back in 2012 in march of 2012 one of the most magical nights that i've had in the irish community here was seeing Aslan come over. And as I mentioned at the top of the show there, Christy Dignam passed away last week. Um, Christy was somebody who was very special to me. I had the honour of working with the band for a very brief period because everybody who was ever involved in music has an Aslan story to tell. And I'm no different to that. I was in music for a long time in Ireland. And just a fascinating character and a, an amazing performer. And what struck me about him most was how he connected with people and how, you know, it didn't matter, you know, if you were one of 2,000 people in the Olympia Theatre, you know, you just felt that he was singing all those songs for you and you always like he was always great crack and the boys in the band are very very funny people as well but Christy was like just this amazing you know there was almost an innocence to Christy as well especially when he started to talk about the darker parts of his life and we talked about his addiction and that kind of thing and I found him so honest and so innocent and so open when he's talking about these things and he didn't do that because he wanted he did that because he felt he had to and he felt that he could help other people both through his music and through his performances but also through talking about these things and putting words to some of the feelings that that we might have had as Irish people as people growing up as you know Swedish people who've listened to that and when I put out the call for just a few little stories and that kind of thing on, on Twitter and on Facebook and that I know Kieran O'Loughlin better known as Lockie to many of us Lockie's been involved in music over here for donkey's years and he was sort of I'd hate to call Lockie the support act to anybody because the lad is absolutely such a brilliant musician. But he opened the show, shall we say, in the Liffey that that special night, playing the songs of the guitar, played some of his own songs. A, a tremendous man to interpret a song as well, you know, and a brilliant, brilliant guitar player. I only wish that I could accompany myself under the guitar the way that Lockie can do it. And he was saying how much that night, how much crack he had that night and how nice the lads were and how professional they were and how relaxed they were and that kind of thing. And it was a brilliant experience from him. And then there was um, Mia down in Gothenburg was saying the same thing, that she got into their music and it very much spoke to her. And she's, you know, she played Gaelic football with us many years ago and she was very into sort of, you know, Ireland and Irish culture and that, and that she found Aslan very, very accessible band in that way, both in terms of the music, but also when they, like, as they were as people, you know. And I think they played some festival in Sweden that she might have seen them at and she was referring back to that. And there were so many stories, but most of them are collected here, if you like, in the conversation that I had a few months ago. And in a way, you feel kind of terrible because, you know, you don't want to be the person who's, you know, preparing for somebody else's demise. We all knew that Christy was going to pass away. And unfortunately, death is as much a part of life as is everything else. And I kind of felt bad asking Owen to do this back at the time. But I'm very glad that I did it now because that was the time, you know, more or less when we realised that this is going to happen sooner than we think. And there was somebody in the community this week, I'm not going to name any names here, but that person is going to be heading back to Ireland for a funeral because uh, a grandparent passed away. And it's something that's there. And for an awful lot of us who were born in Ireland or live here, but our families are still in Ireland, 
we're all going to make that journey lads right we're all going to get those calls at some point many of us have already got them already and we've gone home to bury people i was very very close to about 10 years ago myself when my brother was very ill and i ended up getting a phone call i was sitting at reuters one day on the tv desk and uh, i got a phone call he had been in hospital and that and things had been going well and then all of a sudden monday and it was i think it was about half past one or so and they rang me and they said look things are trying to take a turn for the worst you have to come home and I was only sort of swallowing that when they said, like, you know, come as quickly as you can, but let's face it, there's a very good chance you're not going to make it. And I went, Jesus, you know. So that kind of call, it's a possibility for many of us, and it's almost a certainty for all of us that we're going to face it at some point, that somebody we love in Ireland is going to be in that situation, right? And when my I was calling about my brother, it came as such a shock to me because, you know, he's only a year older than I am and you don't expect it. Sometimes we are expecting it because it's an older person or that, but sometimes it's a shock of it. And I think there's a lot to be had from thinking about, in advance, without ever knowing maybe who that person might be, prepare yourself for that, right? How are you going to get a flight out of here? How are you going to get to the airport, or from the airport to where you live or where you're from? What are you going to do? What do you need? Do you have the clothes you need? Do you have your passport up to date? Do you know that you can leave this country in the morning if needs be? Do you have a few quid put by just in case you need to do this? Because we know neither the day nor the hour. And again, you know, we knew that it was coming with Christy, but it can come to us all. And, you know, you, we don't often get warning for that. And by thinking about these things, it'll make it not easy, but easier to handle when that happens. You know, you'll, you'll think to yourself, well, okay, look, at, I know what I need to do here. I know I need to get the black tie or the black dress. I need to get the white shirt. I need to have the passport there and the toothbrush and everything ready to go. I need to have the number for the boss to say, look, at this is after happening. I'm not going to be around for a few days. And in fairness, Swedish companies are very, very good. And the people that we are working for tend to be very, very good in terms of having compassion for us in those situations. But think about that because it's going to be bad enough when it happens you know and, and to be starting from scratch in that situation of how do i do these things and that kind of thing like it's going to be very very difficult as it is so the more you can think about that and prepare for it uh, the better because like i say it is going to happen to us all um let's go on to this conversation with owen and i know that this has been you know a little bit of a downer but some you know this is a community podcast lads and sometimes we have to talk about these things as i say they're just as much a part of life as anything else that we're doing you know the joy of the gaelic football that we saw over the weekend is one thing but sometimes we have to deal with these things as well and like i say i'm very glad i had this conversation with owen and that we were able to to make something that we remember Christy by we'll put this podcast out there and hopefully be out there forever so that when people ask who Christy was and who the Irish and Sweden are that all this thing is going to be there just as a source of information for them we can remember this time and the passing of one of the greatest singers and songwriters and performers that Ireland ever had enjoy I was going through my email inbox there for about it must be is it 11 years ago now and one day an email from you popped up and you went do you have the number for Aslan's agent and that was the start of a fairly wild ride where did you get the idea of bringing Aslan over to the Liffey in Sweden where did, where did that come from um the idea came about I was organizing music for the Liffey um I think the Liffey opened in I think it was 2009, 2010. 
Um, and it had ch- it changed hands in 2000 and, oh, 2011, I think, or near the end of 2011. And it was new owners and kind of wanted to make, I suppose, a kind of king or do something big to um, put the Liffey on the map, I guess. Or, you know, um, and I had the idea that, you know, maybe get Aslan over if we could. It was just an idea. I thought they'd never go for it. And um, myself and John were talking at the bar. And he said, oh, that'd be a brilliant idea. Um, should we ask? And uh, sure enough, they said, yeah, go for it. Do it. Because we had the the big uh, basement uh, nightclub slash uh, venue downstairs. And um, I, th- I think I got in contact with you then looking for, did you know who I would contact to, uh, to book them? I got in contact with... Um, with Mark Mark Downing, I think, at AMA Music, who managed quite a few bands and acts, Paddy Casey and, um, yeah, a, num- a number of different acts anyway. So, But my idea was, I don't remember, Phil, if you remember, Aslan, at one period, they started doing all these uh, acoustic sets in Ireland and they yeah. really toured the length and the breadth of the country. And uh, they had done that uh, Vicar Street gig, which uh, they did everything acoustic. And, I don't know. I'd never really heard Aslan acoustic before, but for some reason that that acoustic side of him was was amazing. And um, that live at Vicar Street album, Jesus burned a hole in the CD player in the car. I remember, mm. and I thought like, you know, it'd be more feasible to get them over. Maybe they could just do an acoustic set, and yeah. you know, more of a kind of a, an intimate, an intimate effect. Or if you sit down and stuff like that. So that was the kind of the, the initial idea, but um, then very very soon after that, um, it's uh, I kind of changed after talking to Mark, and he was saying, "Oh, they very much like to do things electrically." And the next thing, I was getting in touch with uh, people to buy backlines and different amps and all sorts of stuff. So I kind of I kind of grew from I grew from there. When, when the new owners at that stage, right? So it was three Irish lads, I think, that started the Liffey, right? Carl Stein was involved and Tony was involved and, and Jerry. And there was a couple of other lads that you and I know going back many years, right? But the new owners that bought the Liffey from those lads, they were, I think that was a Syrian family or a Syrian sort of conglomerate that bought it, was it? Um, yeah, there was a few people involved uh, originally. And then, um, yeah. Joe, he was he was doing who took it over uh, at that point, and um, so, sorry, Owen, could you just say much a background in? Uh, he had a couple of venues, uh, one oh, in Marsh oh. actually, and uh, he had a lot of big bands, big Swedish bands playing there. So he, oh, oh, on one second, could you could you just take yeah, that Joseph again? The, uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, Joseph, uh, the guy who. Should it go again? Yeah, the, the video is breaking up there, so I don't know what the, the story is. So if you could just do it once more there, that'd be super. Yeah. Uh, Joseph, the guy who bought the Liffey, he had very much a background in live music um, from the places that he had before, and he had quite a big place in Marsta, and he would have had a lot of big Swedish, well, well-known Swedish acts playing there. So uh, he was kind of all for, kind of, you know, going for you know something a little bit bigger as well and um so he yeah he encouraged it and um yeah then it was kind of 
escalated from there then and the word started getting around and it started getting bigger and bigger um but when you're going to do something like that, right? Because it one of the big things there is cost, right? This is one of the biggest bands in Ireland. They're booked out the fucking door for months in advance. And then you have to go to Joseph, who had taken over the pub. And I remember, I think he used to have a place called Golden Memories out in Mashta, if I remember rightly. One or two Irish bands might have even played out there. But um, Yeah, Kung Carl, I think it was. Kung yeah, exactly. Was yeah, changed it to, yeah, change to Kung Carl there and then moved yeah. on, you know? But but it's there's a huge expense involved on because you're talking about flights for you know not just the five lads in the band but Smokey the sound engineer and a couple of roadies and hotel rooms for two nights and that kind of like did his eyes fall out of his head when you told him how much money you were going to need to get this over the line? No, he he was never he was never that type because I think he was he was kind of used to with some of the stuff that he'd done. But I also managed to get a lot of sponsorship um, at the time. Um, I had been doing things with uh, Aer Lingus and uh, Magners and so parts of it I was able to you know get some sort of funding and from background and music and uh, booking and stuff like that I had quite a lot of contacts with um, uh, getting you know the the back the back end for the band and stuff like that and, and get some mates as we say in the, in the trade. So yeah, well, it was it was a big expense, um, definitely. But uh, sort of felt that the reward um, and what we were getting and what we'd do for the Liffey potentially would be um, you know far greater. Now, Aslan, and I speak from personal experience when I say this, I love the band, I love them all as people, but they're extremely difficult to deal with at times in terms of. You never know where they're going to be. Sometimes they'll show up. Like, they'll always show up to the gig, but you never know what time they're going to turn up and that kind of thing. Did you find them sort of, you know, with Mark and that, you know, with their, their booking agent, did you find them easy to deal with or did you find yourself running around after them and panicking, wondering if they were ever going to make those Aer Lingus flights? No, I have to say they were 100% professionals and lovely, easygoing guys. They, they loved the Liffey and the vibe and they got really well looked after. And you know yourself, the the Irish community would have embraced them being here in the first place. And the funny thing was, uh, I remember we were driving back to the hotel, myself and Joseph, and Joseph was a, a fanatic, uh, fanatical Tin Lizzy fan. Mm. And uh, Christy was telling him all about Phil Linnet. So there was, you know, kind of a, an instant bond there, if you like, um, from the stories that he was able to tell him about his, his, his idol, I suppose. It's amazing. I remember that actually because he was big into rock music and that kind of thing, Joseph as well. I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah. Um how how hard or easy was it to get the Irish community to turn out th that night? You know, was it just a case of okay, we'll put this up on the Facebook page and bang, Alan Mahan and everybody else bought tickets, or did you really have to put a lot of like, you know, just as much money into marketing to make sure that you could make something back? Um, I think it was put that much money into marketing it's like Stockholm is pretty small as you know so once the once the word got out um it kind of you know took on its own you know form at that point and just the word spread people would be talking about it put up posters and yeah I suppose like Facebook was the main social media outlet at that point and we sold tickets um through the website um and of course, you only had a certain capacity down there that you could sell for. But I remember there being a lot more people than we originally sold for. So 
Um, I'm not sure if the if the fire officer had turned up on the night. Um, we uh, yeah, he wouldn't have been the happiest. It was amazing, actually, because, you know, there's always that risk, as anybody who's been in the music business will tell you. I mean, you can have a great act and that kind of thing, but d just because they're showing up doesn't mean the crowd is going to show up. And it was a little bit more fragmented then. You know, you didn't have, you know, it was the people who were on Facebook that showed up. And I mean, it was an amazing turnout that night. Um, in terms of things like, you know, the practicalities of it, when did the band fly in? Did they fly in the same day? And was that one of those, like, that you're sitting there refreshing your phone, looking at the arrivals of Ireland and going, oh, geez, I hope to get here. I hope to get here. I think Aer Lingus were, was it Aer Lingus that was flying direct at that point? And no, it was all pretty, it was all very smooth, actually. We had like taxis organized to pick them up at the airport, brought them to the, the venue with all the equipment. We had like an extra bus for the equipment that they were bringing themselves. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty smooth. Then brought to their hotel. I think they arrived the night before. Yeah, and then played the played the following night, and then went the next day. So it was like, yeah, two nights, two nights in the hotel, and um, and then the one gig, obviously. So uh, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was smooth. I think I think you actually brought Christy on stage because he he got lost. We didn't know how to get down, and you ended up bringing him down through all the crowds down the stairs where he's supposed to come in in the, in the back entrance. Exactly. So 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 you sent me to collect them. I think they stayed at the hotel Amarantan on Kung Solman, if I'm not mistaken. It was there or exactly, there. Yeah. And uh, and you said to me, right, you go and collect them because back in the day in the nineties, I worked briefly for the company that was helping them with that whole unplugged setup that really became their rebirth then, and then live at Vicker Street and all this other stuff that they were doing, and it was a tremendous exactly. success. But I hadn't seen them since that time, right? And it's one of those things that you know they've fallen out with one or two managers over the years, as every band does. Everybody involved in music falls out, mm -hmm. but they sort of nothing against me. And I remember walking into the lobby and they were sitting there waiting, and Billy McGinnis started looking at me going. I know this lad from somewhere, you know, and I was sort of playing it cool. I was yeah. going to see, okay, can they remember? And eventually when they did remember, it was great cracking this of the little mini bus that you had uh, had booked to bring us back over. And then of course, uh, Christy has gone, oh yeah, no, I'll, I'll be with you in a second. And all of a sudden I had to lead him sort of onto oh, the stage. Right. Yeah, that's right. You came over with him, didn't you? Yeah. So it's good, good crack all yeah, together. It's all, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, well, this is the whole purpose yeah. of getting you on here was just to, to, to sort of remember. What, I mean, what a mad night that was. Um, did, did you say, I know the whole process was very sort of smooth and that kind of thing, but the moment they hit the stage, was that what you expected? Was that the crowd, the vibe, the buzz? Was that what you wanted from the whole thing? Yeah, like I was, I heard them sound checking and, um, I kind of, I knew then, I was like, wow, this is like, you know, what I remember. Or I hadn't heard them electric playing full band. Oh, on any of the stuff that I'd seen them live, I think apart from one time in Ireland was was this full acoustic set. Mm. But this was full on, like, you know, guitar amps, electric guitars, bass, you know, big drum kit. Uh, it was a really, like good backline that we had for them there like the best of everything do you know what i mean and i was like wow this is do you know what i mean this is amazing do you know what i mean and i could hear it i could hear christy's voice coming through in the sound check and i said this is going to be brilliant you know mm -hmm. this is really going to be good so yeah i was yeah of course you never know what to expect but um, i i knew from seeing them how tight they were as a band um you know flawless and if you look at that baker street um live dvd or video that was actually recorded over two nights because know the guy who recorded it and he said they had no problem editing both nights because both shows were almost identical 
in how they did the songs and how Christy performed on stage. He, you know, the same hand movements and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it was cool. When you go back to growing up in Wexford, um, because we're we're in or around the same age, let's not go get into details here. But I think you're. I think you've got a few years on me. I think I probably do. You know, but you sort of came along. You were in the next wave of bands because I played music over there as well. And you were in the next wave of bands that came after, like I came after Aslan, and then you guys came after us. As being slightly younger than them, what relationship did you have to them? Because I can't imagine that you remember feel no shame coming out in the mid '80s. So was it you know around the time of Crazy World and that kind of thing that they sort of you know broke their way? into your world yeah i would have i would have been yeah we we were brought up with music as well so we always had music on and exposed the bands and music and i was always the radio was always on i suppose and uh top of the pops and stuff but maybe more exposed to uh, uk music in that respect we always used to watch top of the pops every week and i was always excited to see which was number one and mm. I remember listening to dave fanning on the radio and yeah bands like aslan i think the yeah, crazy world um became um one of those songs that everyone kind of recognized and then i think we were as we as i started getting into music and playing in the band I think that's when Aslan started had this sort of second birth when they started doing these acoustic uh, gigs and touring the country, and they were more accessible. I think to everyone, you know, they'd be playing in Wexford and like Enniscorthy or like Curraclough or, mm. you know what I mean. And that's when we started maybe going to the pubs and stuff like that as well. So you know, and to to see a band of the quality and of Aslan and the performance, you know, was a it was great. And, you know, then you discovered their, their back catalogue. And I actually, honestly, I prefer the acoustic, the acoustic material when they play the stuff acoustic than, than fully electric. Um, but, uh, yeah. Would they have influenced you? Because, I mean, you've done a billion gigs now at this stage in, in everywhere, like all over Europe, all over the place. You know, when you see a band like that as a young man, as a young musician, did you think, OK, I'm learning something here? When you Because Christy is a tremendous communicator as a performer. Like you're left in no doubt as to what he's feeling in those songs when he performs. Yeah, he was a, a very unique frontman um, and how he felt the music and how he uh, portrayed that to the audience. I don't like uh, many and I've seen a lot of bands over the years but there's very few frontmen who can we feel that the music is kind of you know going through them and out into the audience I don't know he had a very special way of communicating with the audience through his movements and he had this very unique voice as well mm. um, and yeah no just a, a great oh, the whole band were great very tight you know as a band and um, simple melodies but you know they're the best ones there's always a risk, I suppose, at times like this. I mean, Christy is such a great artist and such a great person and that kind of thing that, you know, everything is focused on him. But the rest of the band weren't half bad either. I mean, Alan's a brilliant drummer. Tony McGuinness before, uh, the, the previous bass player. You have Billy, you have Joe. They were all tremendous musicians. Is that something that, you know, uh, because I know, you, were you part of Cousin Bill when they won the Hot Press Unplugged Band of the Year Award? Or was that before or after your time in the band? That was before. That was before my time. Yeah. So we would have we would have uh, would have been aware of cousin Bill then and when all that sort of stuff happened and obviously there were Wexford bands they were yeah that all blew up in Wexford town and songs were being played on the radio and stuff like that so that was that would have been pre my time but that would have been kind of very much a time a pivotal time of when I was really kind of getting into music 
uh, you know, Oasis would have come out around then, 94, 95 as well. It's, it was, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you start discovering different music then as well, I guess, at that point. And when you're seeing a band like Aslan in, say, Curraclough or somewhere like that, or an Ennis Gorty, when they turn up and the acoustic guitars and the whole lot, does it make it all that? Like, I always found it very difficult on to, to imagine Irish bands being as good as British or American bands, right? Just because of that was the way we looked at ourselves in Ireland at that point. But when you see Aslan on one side and Oasis on the other, the, at that time, there didn't seem to be a huge distance between the two because Aslan were that good live back then, were they? It's just the songs, you know, like those This Is and Crazy World. And I always remember that's what, I, even like they had a version of Angie, which is, if you look on YouTube, they do Angie at the Liffey and it's the most, um, it's the most um, viewed um, of all the videos from that night. Um, and that would have been kind of a, not, of course, you know, who the Rolling Stones were, but like, um, kind of a path into maybe listening to them a little bit more closely then as well but mm. you know maybe preferring their version of and the version of uh wish you were here as well so it was i don't know Dan, that kind of uh, when we were playing as a band obviously we had the original stuff as well then but then we thought you know it's kind of cool to pick you know maybe a cover version of something that's you know people wouldn't necessarily do like um you know, you would have never pictured Aslan doing a, a cover version of Angie or, um, you know, Wish You Were Here. And I think I think then used to close with a Beatles song then, like Hey Jude or something, which would have inspired me to, when I was playing cover songs and cover band stuff, to finish the show with, um, you know, Wish You Were Here into Hey Jude. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that, so... Yeah, you used to just finish off with, the, with a na 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 that, that bit of hey Jude that everybody yeah, exactly. knows, you know. And it it just and it always exactly, left the yeah. place wanted more. Like it left this really sort of good positive vibe, and then it wander off the stage, and it, and it was amazing, you know. Exactly. And when you were standing there in the Liffey, uh, did you feel at any time during the gig or on the day of the gig that this is a risk, right? That if this goes to shite now, Yosef is going to come back to me. He's going to be annoyed with me. I've blazed all his money on this one thing kind of thing. You know, were you able to enjoy the gig as as a music fan, as an Aslan fan? Or were you more there with your sort of bar manager promoter hat on? I think both. I wanted, I wanted them to have a good experience. And for me, I was like... You know, is the venue, um, you know, we had to build a stage. We had to do a lot of stuff to it to get it ready. Do you know what I mean? The acoustics wouldn't have been that good down there because of the stone walls and kind of this kind of a cellar. But uh, the minute they, Aslan saw it, they were like, oh, it's like the Cavern Club. And I was like, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> um, and it was kind of, they were really positive about it. I think they were, I think they'd been in Norway before then um, or not long before then. I remember talking to them and they were really excited to get over to Stockholm. And um, yeah, there was uh, uh, some anxiety, you know, of course you sold tickets pre, but then, you know, a ton of people were going to turn up on the night. And I think, yeah, it was over expectations. Everyone had a great night. The band were really pleased. The audience, you know, were up close and personal and, and you know, and they gave a great performance and I think everyone was happy. And Joseph was happy as well. They definitely did put the, you know, did a lot for the Liffey in that respect. Um, 
And so, I suppose yeah. the fact that we're, we're still talking about it over a decade later is probably uh, as good uh, and as as good evidence or as powerful evidence as you're going to get about it. Uh, what very few people know, Owen, is that you actually meant to bring Aslan back. What what happened that time? When were they due to come back to the, and play in the Liffey again? Well, I had uh, was talking to Alan, the drummer, and he was like more or less kind of took me aside and he was like, you know we wouldn't usually come over for this amount of money, so you better be bringing this back kind of thing for more. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, but I, I thought like this was the idea. I, I actually, I had an idea that I was going to bring over Irish bands, um, like not cover bands, but, you know, uh, there was a lot of bands coming around, like the Cronas, uh, Paddy Casey, Ham Sandwich. There was, you know, a lot of people like that. And I had this idea that I was going to try and, you know, go down that road and bring them over and maybe some sort of a small Scandinavian tour. Um, so this was kind of um, in my thoughts to do. And I remember Ireland were due to play Sweden. And we knew what that meant for the bar, that like Irish fans will travel and Stockholm will be, you know, inundated with Irish fans. And I was thinking, Jesus, we'll bring Aslan over and Paddy Casey. Uh, and they can do, Paddy Casey can warm up or whatever. And then we'll have Aslan and we'll do two nights and I got the budget approved for it and everything was going through all the the phases I had before and then uh, I got a phone call from Mark when I was in Ecomaxi and uh, I remember it and he said um, we're going to have to cancel uh, Christy is sick and um, I was like oh shit because um, we'd already I think I'd already sold tickets as well um because it wasn't that much time in between when it was actually supposed to happen and of course we knew that we would get a lot of people just turning up on the night so we were expecting this you know crazy crazy influx of irish people anyway but mm. you know to have as the casey playing in stockholm when you've got ireland playing and all these fans you know so um yeah he said that he was um yeah he'd been uh, diagnosed with a form of cancer, I think, and that uh, all gigs were going to be put on hold for further notice. And that was, yeah, that was that. That was the first of it, I think, um, when I first heard that he got sick. And then it was, um, yeah, it seemed like he, yeah, he, he fought through that and then he got better and started playing again. And I don't know, it all seemed to be kind of not hit and miss, but they started to be stopping and starting then with his health and, you know, he get on well again. And then, yeah. So yeah, it was sad. Was Shame. it something that you ever considered? You know, when they did start playing again after that, they cancelled that gig and you're fair enough, okay, you know, these things are going to happen. But in sort of 2016, 17, 18, when they were sort of back on the road for a little while, did you ever pick up the phone to Mark again or did the idea just not sort of cross your mind after that again? Um, I think there was a lot of changes to the to the Liffey and what we were doing and to, I don't know, what you, the place was kind of, thriving at that point and um, we had definitely talked about doing doing something similar or at some point um, but you know when it's you know pretty busy every Friday and Saturday anyway and you're so much local musicians and talent and um, on stage all the time and you know it's you know, hard to kind of maybe justify a budget for something you know of that scope um, and then I think, you know, the Irish community changed as well over the years as well, you know, like a lot of people here and then people kind of go their own way and you weren't seeing the same sort of 
um, I think in enough we would have more. Like at one time, it would have been a lot of Irish people, like seventy percent Irish people, nearly in the bars. And then you know, over time, they started having families, having kids, and you know, filtering out. And then your audience becomes more Swedish. So um, I don't know. Like then, the relevance of it is a, is a little bit different, if you know what I mean. Mm. It's not fair. Yeah, you're not going to get a whole lot of Swedish people going to see Aslan, but I still think that, like you know, the the old guard round from when you and I moved over here would probably still show up if if they were going to play again. You know, um, you yourself have moved out of of the bar business now. Um, is it something that you you look back on with great fondness, or are you kind of you know as a dad, as a partner, uh, you know, as a as a fella getting older like myself, are you glad to be out of it? Do you miss the bar business and promoting shows like the one that Aslan played here? Yeah, like as I said. I, yeah, I do. It was a great experience and kind of set me up for um, what I'm what I'm doing now. You know, I always loved like music and I always kind of saw myself, even when I was in a band, that I'd like to start promoting and I would have opened a lot of doors and um, got to work with, you know, a lot of good companies like Universal and Live Nation and made a lot of contacts, which have helped me get into kind of what I'm doing now. And um and yeah, the bar thing was good. Very stressful, though, I would say, with the bar. Um, and, you know, having a young family, um, working weekends and not getting home. And, you know, you're almost doing band hours, um, but without the alcohol. Without <laughs> <laughs> the alcohol performing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Being on the other side of the bar. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, it was a great experience. And I suppose um, you got to see things from the other side. Um, definitely miss perform and I'd say and some of the songwriting aspects um, which I'll do again at some point but um, yeah no it's I'm happy where it is in my in my journey I'd say when I contacted you sort of a week ago when I was thinking of doing this What's the first thing that, what's the first memory that crops up in your mind when you think of Aslan coming to Stockholm? What's the thing that that, that crops up and says, okay, this defines it for me? Um, like, funnily enough, it was just that idea sitting at the end of the bar. Um, John was working <laughs> and I think Joseph was there and it's like, let's get Aslan over. Do you know what I mean? It was just like kind of a spontaneous idea and within an hour i was making phone calls and sending emails and then like within a week it was a reality so it was kind of exciting um but i i one i think one point of the night i think was i think ryan reardon had a irish flag you know with aslan written on it and that'll be kind of imprinted in alaman up on somebody's shoulders in the middle of the crowd mm. and the sound engineer smoky having to push people away from the from the desk and you know the queue of people trying to get in the door at the back and I was um, a, lot, a lot of great moments from my heart to pinpoint one but I think that whole you know crazy world maybe song and you know everyone there and enjoying it was yeah it was. I have to say, it was one of the craziest and one of the most memorable nights that I've had in over 23 years in this country and it was all down to your good self Owen O'Connor, thank you so much for talking to me No worries Phil, that was a pleasure there you go. That was Owen O'Connor there talking a few months ago to me about Christy Dignam and bringing Aslan over. 
and you're listening to that and you're thinking, Jesus, you know, who else could we get over? I'll tell you who's actually coming over reasonably soon. And the tickets are out this week. I think they're out on Wednesday. If you're listening to this the day the podcast came out, they're going to be out on Wednesday, right? And that's Hozier is coming to play in the Avicii Arena, right? The older heads among you will know that that is formerly the Globe, formerly the Ericsson Globe, now known as the Avicii Arena, right? And he is playing sometime in November. Don't ask me what date, right? Can't remember any of that. Don't have the information at hand. But one way or the other, that the tickets are coming out now this week right so i'm going to buy i think you can probably buy four or six tickets at a time i'm just going to buy them because some idiot probably me is going to forget to look after themselves so i'll get a few of them anyway and i know that my daughters and my missus will want to go and we we'll probably go ourselves there might be one or two left over but i'd say the irish will turn out in force that night and i've actually asked the promoter as well that if they want to get the belt hosier to have a chat with me for, uh, before we do that so wouldn't that be a bit of crack altogether um this week is a special occasion, as I say, with Christy passing away. And I, you know, I did a Twitter space as well where I talked in the direct aftermath the same evening as he passed away. I talked a little bit about my memories of him. Uh, which if you want you'll find it on my Twitter feed if you go back and uh, just have a listen to that if you're interested in that kind of thing if you're not interested in that kind of thing there's another podcast on this feed called The Global Gale right so the whole feed is called Arrowman in Stockholm which is my original podcast and now you have The Irish in Sweden which is this podcast and then you have The Global Gale this week was um one of Mickey Mallon's favourite people in the world, an Irish journalist in London called Barry Glendenning that you know, I've intertwined with over the years without ever hanging out with him too much, but we've known each other for a long time-ish, uh, mostly through emails and through me working for a big news agency and him working for The Guardian. And that was a fascinating conversation about, this is a lad who never had a plan in his life, right? He just fell into doing things. And he's extremely successful and extremely good at what he does and extremely funny as well. So that's worth a listen as well. And there may be, uh, might actually get another episode of of this Premier Swedes podcast out on the feed this week as well. If you'd like to support the work, please do. As an individual, go to patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm. Uh, that's where I would visit. Pledge a five or so a month. About five euros a month will help keep the lights on here. I will, after the summer, be approaching uh, some of the businesses around the place, right? I'm going to put together some packages so the businesses, uh, Irish-owned businesses or businesses interested in supporting an Irish in Sweden podcast will be able to support it that way. Uh, it'd be brilliant if it was many of those businesses and there will be ones for big businesses with big turnovers and there will be ones for small businesses with small turnovers. The big thing that you can do, right? You may not have a penny in your pocket and you know what I don't want it because I'm going to keep all these things free, right? So if, if you don't have any money, that's grand. Enjoy the podcast, right? But I would please Please ask every one of you to share it if you can, right? Throw it up in your Instagram story when it comes out. It only takes a second, right? You can go to, if you're listening to this on Spotify now, you can click, on, there's a little three dots there somewhere in your phone or whatever, and you can click on that and click share and throw it out in your Instagram story and maybe tag me in it, right? Because again, there's new people moving over all the time. There's lads up above in Yavla who are rotating in and out. Uh, and they may not know that this thing exists and they might enjoy listening to it and catching up a little bit with the community news and maybe listen to what happened all those years ago when Aslan played here and sure isn't the whole point of the thing to bring us together so please do share the podcast if you can we usually play out with that lovely little bit of uh, folk music but this time around we're not going to do that I'm going to play out with a version of a brilliant song by Gil Gilbert O'Sullivan called Nothing Rhymed uh, and it's sung by Christy Dignam, playing with the RTE Concert Orchestra. I think it was Ronan Collins who actually introduced them when they were rec the recording of this. 
and it just for me I know the Crazy World's a big song lads I know This Is is a big song and they're the, probably two of the most well known songs and I have my own favourite Aslan songs as well but as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast right Christy was a brilliant interpreter of songs right and when he sang the band played Waltz and Matilda which is about the First World War and the Anzac troops who tried to take the beach in Gallipoli or when he sang The Greenfields of France which was also about that when he sang Angie by the Rolling Stones or Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd Jesus, you know, sometimes they were better than the original, right? But when he sang this song, uh, which was brilliantly done by Gilbert O'Sullivan way back in the 1970s, some point, but I, it was one of those songs that I just never expected to hear him sing. sing. Pink Floyd, yeah. Rolling Stones, yeah. Folk songs like the Greenfields fans, absolutely, I get all that. But this one came out of nowhere and it's absolutely brilliant. So we're going to finish up on that one this week. As I say, have a little think about, you know, what's going to happen because these things are going to happen to us all. We're going to have to deal with them sooner rather than later, you know. So it's good to have a plan doing that. Enjoy your midsummer, right? Little little less the snaps now. Do have a few beers now from Keen Brewing or from the lads in Stringless there or from Dermot down below in Skona have one or two of them with the sill lunch and that kind of thing but enjoy the day enjoy the crack enjoy the weather enjoy the company of your family or the Swedish people are around most of all take care of yourselves take care of one another and I'll talk to you all again soon next week on the Irish in Sweden podcast take it away Christy To some elderly lady or man Am I being a good boy? Am I your pride and joy? But you please, if you please, say I am And if while in the course of my duty I perform an unfortunate take would you punish me so unbelievably so? Never again will I make that mistake. This feeling inside me could never deny me the right to be wrong if I choose. And this pleasure I get from, say, winning a bet is to lose. While I'm drinking my bone of her chandy, eating more than enough apple pies, will I glance at my screen and see real human beings starve to death right in front of my eyes? Nothing old, nothing new, nothing ventured, nothing gained, nothing stillborn or lost, nothing. Further than proof, nothing wilder than youth, nothing older than time, nothing sweeter than wine, nothing physically recklessly, hopelessly blind, nothing I couldn't say, nothing why cause today, nothing rhyme. This feeling 
pleasure I get from say winning a bet is to lose. Nothing good, nothing bad, nothing ventured, nothing gained, nothing still born or lost. Nothing further than proof, nothing wilder than youth, nothing older than time, nothing sweeter than wine, nothing physically, recklessly, hopelessly blind, nothing I couldn't say, nothing why cause today. Ladies and gentlemen, will you welcome our first guest 